So we're starting this new series, Something More. And I was thinking about this. Have you ever had a moment in your life or moments in your life where you sit around and you think, is this all there is to life? I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but it's happened to me sometimes uh, at times in my life where I've sat around and I thought, you know, I've accomplished these things. There's been a lot I didn't accomplish. I should have made this decision. And I think there's got to be more to life than this. I love to tell that story about the professional quarterback uh, who won three Super Bowls and he was interviewed. And uh, one of the statements he made was, but I'm thinking, is this all there is? You know, is this the top of the mountain? There's more to, no matter what you accomplish in life, God always have more. How many know, has more? How many know that God is unsearchable? God is infinite. Come on, somebody. God, there, there's no end to his blessings. There's no end to his creation. Come on. There's always more, and we don't want to be stagnant. And so if you've thought that in your life, guess what? There probably is something more. Maybe God is calling you to something more. But I think often in life, we find ourselves stuck in a situation. We find ourselves stagnant, you know. But even when things are hard, even when doors seem to be closed uh, for us, and I'll, I'll say it the other way, even when things seem to be going well in life, I have enough money in the bank, you know, no one's talking bad about me that I know about anyway, or that I care about, you know. Things seem to be going okay. Guess what? There is still something more something more turning your Bible to Exodus chapter 14 I want to look at this story again that you're pretty familiar with uh, of the Israelites coming out of Egypt Moses is leading the Israelites out of Egypt and by Exodus 14 uh, he's already been on the backside of the desert he's had the burning bush counter um, He's already gone to Pharaoh. He, he and Aaron have gone to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And uh, Pharaoh said, I'm going to make it harder. Not only am I not going to let them go, but I'm going to make it harder on your people. And finally, he gets the people together. God sends the ten plagues, and he gets the folks together, uh, more than a million people. We don't know how many exactly, and they're making an exodus. exodus. And the Bible says in verse 1 of chapter 14, now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pi-Hiroth between Migdal and the sea, opposite Baal-Zephon. You shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart, so he will pursue them, and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Verse 5. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot took his people with him. Also, he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, 
his horsemen and his army and overtook them camping by the sea beside Pi Hahiroth before Baal Zephon. And when Pharaoh, verse 10, drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is it not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Verse 13, And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. He's telling them to stand still, verse 15. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Sometimes as we cry out to the Lord about our situation, why am I in this situation? Why have you not delivered me? Why have doors not opened up that I might walk through them? There are times when God would say to us, why are you crying? Why are you crying to me? Get up and go forward. Get up and move. Get up and do it. Let's go. Let's go. Well, we're waiting on you, God. God would say what? Come on. I'm waiting on you. I spoke it before I created time what would happen. I'm in eternity watching this thing unfold. Maybe you don't trust me. Maybe you don't believe me. But if you would get up and do it, you will see the salvation and provision of the Lord. You know, it's interesting. The, the people of Israel who were in a dire situation and I can imagine at some point when they knew they would be delivered or when they thought they would be delivered, they heard this word, will be delivered, they may have been excited. Okay, well, let's go and get delivered. But at the first mark of trouble, what? They're coming after us. Wait a minute. Why did you bring us out here? There weren't graves in Egypt that we could die there. You want us to die out here? We were happy in Egypt. We should have just stayed there. There are situations, folks, that we find ourselves in like a lobster in a pot. And the, and the heat's not that much, but it turns up slowly. And we don't realize that we're going to die if we stay where we are. And God is trying to draw us out to a new place. He's trying to draw us to a better place. But because we're happy where we are and we don't know what's ahead of us, we just stay. We stay in oppression. 
we stay with a hand of the enemy pressed against us. Why? Why are you crying to me, God says? Go forward and see the salvation of the Lord. I wonder why we stay in situations like that. I wonder why. And I think there's three reasons that keep us in the same place that we don't move forward. We, we stay what I call stagnant. Stagnant. Here's, listen to what stagnant means. Stagnant means having no current or flow. But watch now. Listen. Stagnant means often having an unpleasant smell as a consequence. Keep staying where you are. Stinking up the place. Come on. I'm not calling any names. I'm probably looking in the mirror. It means showing no activity. Dull and sluggish. Still motionless, immobile, inert, lifeless, dead, standing, slack. Come on. Static, stationary. God is not a stationary God. Even in his rest, even in the seventh day rest, God is not a stationary God. God is not bored. God is not ho-hum. God is not slack in his promises. God does not just sit around like Mr. Snuffleupagus who remembers Mr. Snuffleupagus? Just me, just a few old people? Okay. I know y'all know who that is. If somebody calls you Mr. Snuffleupagus, it's probably not a good thing. It means you're too slow. Come on, let's go. Let's go. God is not a God that just sits around and waits for things to happen. God thinks of stuff. that Before he created the universe, it was a thought in his mind. And then he spoke it into existence. Before he created the sun and the moon and the stars, it was a thought in his mind and then he spoke it. Let there be light. That came from a thought in his mind, but he moved on it. Even God moved on it to create it. He formed man out of the dust of the ground by his own hands. And the Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you know what that means? That means that God took some time and took some effort to make you. Even God moves when he wants something done. And so what makes us think that by sitting around, something is automatically going to happen? Money's just going to come out of nowhere. My, you know, I, I, I was thinking about, you know, my friend and, uh, you know, his Aunt Judy died and left him uh, $100,000. Well, why can't my Aunt Judy die? Leave me $100,000. We might as well say that. We're sitting around doing nothing. But listen, God, you know, you know what? God, God, God didn't make tables. He didn't make chairs. He didn't make this uh, pulpit stand here. He, he's never made a building you know what God makes? God made trees. Come on. God made, God made trees. God made material. God made elements for you with the thoughts in your mind and the wisdom that he's given you to put your hand to the plow. Not looking backward, but looking forward and to do something with what he's given you in your hand. God is waiting on you to create. I'm giving you all this. Now create. Just like giving a little kid crayons and markers and Legos. You're not going to build everything for him, but you give it to him and say, now create. What thoughts are in your mind? There's, you know what's standing between you, and I'll, I'll just go ahead and say this. I'm going to go ahead and say it. You know what's standing between you and a million dollars? A thought. A thought. A thought. What's in your mind? 
What thoughts has God given you that you're not moving on? What's causing us to stay in the same place? I believe there are three things that we fall into. Things that you know. You know already. I'm just going to remind you. I'm just going to remind you. What's keeping me here? We can't stay here, folks. We can't stay here. What's keeping me here? The first thing is comfort. It's comfort. Come on, we all love to be comfortable. I know I do. When I'm comfortable, I don't want to move. When I'm comfortable on the couch, I don't want to move. I'm watching my program, Blacklist, Raymond Reddington. And then the program goes off. And so now my program's gone off. I'm ready to get up. Maybe I want to go read a book. Maybe I need to clean the kitchen. Maybe I need to do something else. But I'm comfortable. So then another program comes on. Something I don't even want to see. But because I'm comfortable on the couch, I just watch whatever's next. We get comfortable and we don't move because we're so comfortable. Here's what you have to understand, folks. To get where you're going, you cannot accept the comfort of where you are. I'm going to say that again. To get where you're going, you cannot accept the comfort of where you are. Don't accept it. Don't let the good times fool you. <laughs> That's an old song by Melba Montgomery. You, you all know her. It's an old country artist. You know her, Jody? She's from the 70s? Yeah. Me and Jody. We, we remember Melba Montgomery. Don't let the good times fool you. Come on. It's time to get up. <laughs> Comfort seeking is our default mode as a consumerist society. So we often find ourselves as comfortable Christians. Comfortable Christians without even knowing it. We're just comfortable in, in, in what we're doing. Someone once said that comfort is the key ingredient. Watch this, listen. Comfort is the key ingredient to make the prisoner, prisoner stay in the prison. You just get comfortable. You, you get used to it. In fact, I'll put it this way. I'll say that comfort is the key ingredient to make the prisoner crave the prison. The prisoner craved, the, 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 the children of Israel craved the prison because they didn't know what was before them. They craved it. Here, here are three comfort indicators. This is how you know if you're comfortable. Now please pay attention to this. There are no unresolved questions in your mind. If you, you walk around and there's no unresolved questions, everything is great, the universe makes sense, whatever, you know, all of that, everything makes sense to you, and you have no questions, you're probably a little too comfortable. I know that, that may not make sense to you and that might not sound right, but we, need, we have some questions, folks. We have some questions. You know, on Wednesday night right now, we're talking about uh, Brother Jim Deckard and is doing a, a wonderful job in teaching this series, Heaven and Hell. Now, what does it really, 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 really matter about all the things about heaven and hell? I mean, because if you are, if you've given your life to the Lord, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. If you've done those things, right? Jesus commanded us to be baptized in water. We're baptized in water. We receive the Holy Spirit. You've done those things. You're going to go to heaven. So it doesn't mean you're not going to change anything about heaven, right? So, so what does it really matter? I'll tell you what matters is that we have questions that God wants to answer for us. There's so much knowledge that God wants to give us. It's not something to argue about or fuss about, but it's just questions in your mind that God wants you to ask. And if there's no unresolved questions in you, you're probably too comfortable. And not just about that, but about anything. 
How does the world work? What's my purpose? Is this all there is to life? Come on. And then number two, there's no friction between your Christianity, uh-oh, and society or politics. Now, I'm not, I don't, it don't matter what you are. I don't care if you're independent, Democrat, philanthropic, whatever you want to public, whatever you want to name Biblican. I call myself a Biblican. Whatever you are, if, if, there are, if, if there's no friction between you and society, the way society does things, politics, whatever it might be, if there's no friction at all, you think everything is cool, it all lines up, then you're probably a little too comfortable. And I'll tell you why. Look, I know, I know I'm going to be on Front Street here in a, in a society that uh, talks about tolerance and talks about let's just all work together. I do believe in working together. I believe in it all, wholeheartedly. But there's one area, one area that Jesus does not compromise on. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Except by me. Now, all, all else we can talk about. I'm not saying everything else is right, of course, you know, but, uh, but we can talk about other things. But he says, I am the only way. So if you're a Christian and everything is okay to you the way the world works, then you're probably a little too comfortable. Ask some questions. And then the third thing is, you never feel challenged in your life. You never feel challenged. You know, everything comes easy to you. Then you're probably just doing everything that's easy. <laughs> you're never going to get anywhere. <laughs> you're never going to get anywhere. And so comfortability. The second thing that's keeping me here is familiarity. Right on the heels of comfortability is familiarity. Familiarity, even if it's a struggle, even if it pains you, even if you know that's not where you're supposed to be, because you're familiar, you stay there. Even if where you are is a struggle, even if you know this is not where I'm supposed to be, because you're familiar with it, you stay there. You just, how many people, I don't want to get in any trouble here, y'all might have to go see Jody after I say this, but how many people, especially young people, stay in relationships just because they're familiar? All, can I say this word? All hell is breaking loose. But just because you're familiar, you don't, do any, you don't do anything. Don't seek any counseling. Don't challenge. Don't say there's something better. You're just familiar. Just get familiar and you give up. I was thinking about, we talked about this before, but I was thinking about the man where uh, Peter and John were going into the temple to, uh, up to, to prayer and, and the man was there and uh, you know he was just asking for alms you remember alms, alms, alms he was just so comfortable that's all he wanted to do when they said silver and gold have I none but uh, uh, what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus rise up and walk it's like he didn't even want to rise up because the Bible says Peter took him by the hand and lifted him up just familiar I'm just familiar I've been here so long I'm familiar familiarity it means to know someone or something in such a way that you lose your admiration or respect for the unknown. You're so familiar. You lose your admiration and respect for that person or that situation as well because you're so familiar. So familiar. Familiarity has the power to neutralize the greatest gifts of God because you're familiar. And then lastly, the fear of the unknown. 
Come on, folks. The fear of the unknown will keep us right where we are. We will not be able to move forward. The Israelites said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, you took us to the wilderness to die. We told you we were happy in Egypt. Isn't that the word that we told you? When you first came to us with this cockamamie plan, getting away from the Egyptians, we told you we just stay here. We're cool. I'm straight. I'm all right. Very often, the thought of fear is greater than the thing that we fear. God's already there. God's already in the unknown. He's already in the unknown. But it's easier to not want anything than it is to want something and not get it. <laughs> you, you see, you can't be disappointed when you have no expectations. That's, what, that's the way people feel. But I'll tell you what, you can't do anything great if you don't have any expectation either. Familiarity keeps you right where you are. So then when you think about all of these things together, I come to a conclusion, and I, you know, I'm not trying to talk bad about you or me, but I just have to be truthful with you. You are the problem. There is something more for you, and the problem is not your credit. You might think it is. The problem is not people that are talking about you. The problem is not your boss. The problem is not your teacher that you hate. Come on. The problem is not somebody else in your family. The problem is you. <laughs> you are the problem. A people can only be oppressed when they are comfortable, familiar, or afraid to move forward. So that's what it is. At the end of the day, what's really keeping us from moving forward is us. There has to be a point where we want to attain something more, so much so that it causes us to move toward it. No matter what it is, we need to move toward it. You need to have the thought in your mind that even if I fail, I'm not going to stay here. If I go out, I'm going to go out with dirt under my fingernails. I'm going to go out with holes in my jeans because I'm groping forward to what God has for me. I want my purpose in life. God has a greater purpose than me sitting here doing what I'm doing today. There's more for me. There's more for me. As we close up, I just want to give you, a, I want to throw a few folks at you. Some you'll like, some you don't, but the point is uh, where they came from and where they are. And I want to show you that you are no different. You know, a man told me a long time ago, a guy I admired a whole lot, he said, listen, I want to tell you this. General way, he said, if one man can do it, another man can do it. In other words, what he's trying to tell me is, don't think of yourself less. Don't think of yourself less. You know, if it's not your purpose, that's one thing. You'll find that out. But just don't think because he's, he's, he looks better than me, Brother James. Brother Eldon is so much smarter than me. Brother Randy is stronger than me. You know, Sister Jody is this. You know, listen, God has given you gifts. You, need, you don't need to be Jody. You don't need to be Eldon. You don't need to be Marcy. You need to be the best Michael that you can be. That's who God created you to be. And if you do that, you're great. You're great. Guy Liberté, he was a fire eater before founding Cirque du Soleil. You ever heard of that? He was just a, he was just a fire eater. And he had a thought in his mind. Uh, you know, we should get more people to do this. At the beginning of his career, he'd had fire in his belly. Literally. Come on. This Canadian born circus uh, person played the accordion and he walked on stilts and he ate. He was a one-man circus <laughs> just doing it himself. He took a chance. He flew from Quebec 
to Los Angeles without purchasing a return fare. He just said, I'm just going to go do it. And, and he, 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 he put some people together, traveled to Las Vegas and Cirque du Soleil. Everybody knows it all around the world. Come on. You, you've heard of Oprah Winfrey. She started out, she grew up in poverty in Mississippi. She started off her career by becoming the first African-American TV correspondent in Nashville. Now she's worth $2 billion. I'm here to tell you that if, uh, you know, if, listen, hey, if the devil can get $2 billion, imagine how much. I'm just, show, I'm just trying to show you something. I'm, I'm not telling you all Christians, Guy, Oprah, Alan Gary, Alan Gary, who was uh, the son of Russian immigrants, he dropped out of high school in order to pursue a career in the Marines. After a stint in the military, watch, he went on to found a tiny television repair business uh, and using his GI Bill in 1956, and he made the decision to take $1,500. It was all the money he had in the world he had earned, all right? And he founded a cable television company. The company went on to be known as Cablevision, which sold to Time Warner for $2.7 billion in 1996. $1,500. That's all he had was $1,500. But he had a thought and a dream. Come on. Oh, I got some more. Don Wan Chang and his wife Jin Suk, they moved to America from Korea in 1981. All right, they opened their first clothing store in 1984, and now Forever 21 is an international 790 store empire because they took a chance. Starbucks founder Howard Schultz grew up in a housing complex for the poor, and he was in Italy one time. Uh, doing a student exchange thing and he saw baristas there and he said man what a novel idea I ought to bring that back to the United States and so he became the manager at a, a store that eventually became Starbucks and now there you know Starbucks it's all over the world if he can do that for if the if the world can do that come on King David began as the youngest and perhaps often forgotten child in a big family as a shepherd boy and he made colossal mistakes come on along his life's journey what's your excuse he made colossal mistakes yet he was perhaps the greatest king of God's people and the Israelites come on there was nothing nothing terribly special about Esther or Rahab they were both minding their own business when God invaded their life and said, I know that you're satisfied where you are. Take this to heart. Take this to heart. I know that you are satisfied where you are, but there's something more for you. One became queen and the other is a key component in Israel's victory in Jericho. And by the way, come on, uh, she is also uh, a prescendent, not a descendant, but a prescendent of King David and Jesus, by the way. Come on, somebody. Come on. And so you think about all these things. Think about this. The world around you is ever moving, ever changing, ever evolving. And it, as is the body of Christ. And if you remain the same, everything, including God's presence, will simply pass you by. So when we come to those moments in life where we feel like there's something more, let us lay aside every excuse, every obstacle. Let us not focus on why we can't get there. And let's move under the direction of the Holy Spirit, come on, right into our purpose and our destiny. God told Moses to tell the children, Israel to move forward and I believe God is telling each and every one of us in here today 
to move forward. Why? Because there's something more for you.